Good morning. The reading today is taken from St. Paul's letter to the, oh there, I forgot what it was, Galatians, the first book. And I'm going to start on verse 1, chapter 4. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we are under age, we are in slavery under the elementary spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption of sonship. Because we are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being with us this morning, and we thank you for that reading. Lord, as we look at it and seek to understand more of you and what you have done for us, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open up these words and show us the great truths about your love, about our status before you, and about our futures with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Probably the first thing to say about the reading is that in the first century, when it came to being an heir, it was always a male. So we just need to understand that. If you feel there's bits of unfairness in here, that was the society they were in. And Paul's analogy here about being adopted is based on the fact that in the first century with the Romans, what happened was when a father decided the time was right, whether it was a, an adopted son or not, they would say, you are now my son. There was some sort of ceremony, a rite of passage, and you were fully a senior part of the family with other adults. You left your childhood behind. Now, Paul has some of that in mind here. I'm going to concentrate more on the adopted children bit uh, this morning. So... Paul, given that he was a, an incredibly clever bloke, full of theological knowledge, and of course full of the Holy Spirit, showing him how the Old Testament and you linked, he has incredible depth in these passages. So we're just going to concentrate today really on the um, adopted children bit and what it means to be a child of God. But just have in the back of your minds that for Paul and people around him at the time in the Roman Empire, they would have realised that adoption was very much for sons of a certain age who were ready to be a full part of the family. Until then, you were just a child, and children didn't really have much status at that time. Sorry, chaps, over here. <clears throat> right, let's go. Um, our reading today is short. It's the set one, so it's going to be used in many churches throughout the Anglican Communion all over the world. And I just want to remind you, those of you who are at the evening carol service on the 17th of December, 
Tom uh, concentrated his short talk on John chapter 1, which I had the privilege of reading yet again, although I'd offered to be sacked this year because I overdo it. But it was the lovely reading in John 1, and I'm just going to quote from it. It sets out Jesus' mission on earth and God's plan. He, Jesus, came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And being born again, which is sort of evangelical terminology, although it's based on, uh, again, John's gospel, it is actually becoming a child of God. He is truly, if you think of a perfect father and yet more, that is God the Father and that's our new status when we believe in the name of Jesus and trust in him. So St. Paul wrote quite a bit about this notion of becoming an adopted child. Um, in his letters to the Christians in Galatia, we've already started having a look at that, and also later on in his huge letter and famous chapter 8, his letter to the Romans. And we'll be looking at this this morning as we rapidly head to a new year. And hopefully it will set us off in a good place. I want to just ask a question of everybody. This will link. There is a point to this, I promise you. How many of you, hands up please if it's true of you, how many of you are still in touch with your friends from primary school. Well, you're mostly a lot younger than me. That's good, isn't it? That's really good. I wish I'd kept in touch better. I've got no friends still who I'm in touch with who I was friendly with in primary school. Mind you, it was a very long time ago. Um, and to give me an excuse, I went to a different school to everybody else in my final year in primary school and also my family moved out into the countryside 30 miles away so they're my excuses but I haven't kept in touch in touch with my primary school friends however I do have one very special friend who's been a friend of mine for 58 years that takes me back to primary school years believe it or not I've never met her I've never spoken to her except for once on the phone. When she rang and got worried, she thought she'd woken us up in the middle of the night, but she hadn't, and she rang me from Florida. It was when our first child, Ruth, was born. She is a retired nurse living in Florida, quite near Disney World, and Mary Sue, as she's called, is now 80. She and her late husband, Ron, are two of the people I admire most. And she is a special friend, my longest standing friend. Why? Well, really because as Christians, they adopted and lovingly brought up five children from all over the world, different nationalities, different ethnicity, from all over. I'll name them quickly, Jamie, Melindy, Chris, Lindsay, and Leah. And they probably do know they've got much to be grateful to, to Sue, Mary Sue, and her, uh, her late husband, Ron. And I reminded her of this in my letter, which went with her card this Christmas.
Now that sort of adoption as it is today, it's children who need a home and loving, admirable people who are happy to really take on children for the rest of their lives. Legal adoption in this country has been defined as follows. This is the sort of legal bit, we'll get past it very quickly. But it's a way of providing the security, permanency and the love of a new family when it is not possible for a child to be raised by his or her birth parents or within the birth family. So being an adoptive parent today is to take voluntarily a child of other parents as one's own in compliance with formal legal procedures, of course. In a more informal sense, that's exactly what Joseph did, Joseph the carpenter, when he took on Jesus as a baby, born to Mary, but also born to God, the son of God who came as a baby and Mary became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So a complete and absolute one-off, one of the amazing great moments in history. Similarly though, being adopted as God's child, as we all are when we trust in Jesus, means that we too gain a new security, a permanency, and the love of a new family, the church, not just here, but worldwide, but also in heaven. We're part of all that, God's plan of salvation. God has taken you and me on as his children, and he will support us through the Holy Spirit so that we grow up and become all that he created us to be. That may sound a bit big as we face 2024, but that's his plan for each one of us, that we should grow up and become more and more like Jesus, become mature in our faith. It's God the Father, through the work of the Holy Spirit, who will prepare us for heaven and for everlasting life with him, us, his adopted children, who were once without hope, without any qualification for being his children and going to heaven, all because of Jesus taking our place and being crucified that our sins might be taken away, that we might be freed of them. So in Galatians 3, uh, we have Paul bringing in this notion of us being children, and then it gets a little bit more complicated, but there's a lovely truths in here which should help us all. In Christ Jesus, he says, in chapter 3 of Galatians 26, in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And of course, in Galatians 4, the reading we had today, uh, which Anne shared with us, we see a little bit more of this thinking about what it means to be an adopted child of God. The adoption bit is that really we were completely separate from God. We weren't like real children because we were in rebellion in our sins, each one of us. If you think of the prodigal son, that is exactly what this uh, short passage is saying to us. The prodigal son eventually came home. And it was the father who ran out to welcome him, who was prodigal in his love 
way over the top, way more than the son deserved. The son was willing to come home, to come back to his family and end up being a kind of servant, a slave, equivalent to working with pigs. And what did his father do? He said, no, you are fully my son because you've come back to me, you've trusted in me. And that's a picture of how God treats us, not through any goodness of our own, but simply because of love, that wonderful love. And to the point of today's message is a bit beyond that. It is that we're not simply adopted children and in God's family, which is wonderful in itself, but we're more than that. As those children, when they were formally adopted in the first century, became equivalent members of the family to the other sons and daughters, we too, because of Jesus, um, have a new status. We will be adopted children plus heirs, co-heirs to all that Jesus as the Son of God will inherit. All that Jesus has as the Son of God is ours and will be ours. It was always sons and heirs. I just want to get this point sorted out because that was the way the society was. But the world is changing, as we all know. Um, if and when, many years' time, Prince George, as King George, were to die, as I understand it, it would be Princess Charlotte who would be the new uh, monarch, provided that um, Prince George didn't have any children. And that's different. The monarch, even the monarchy is changing. And the way we look at adoption and the rights of children, there's no difference between male and female. Things have changed. But Paul is now opening up new teaching, best summed up in Galatians 4 verse 7. If we could just have a look at that, please, Sue. This sums up all that's going on in this passage. So Galatians 4 verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. If you want to look at a bit more as to what that means, being an heir, there isn't time this morning, but do take a look at Ephesians 1. And that shows that as adopted children, we are on a par with Jesus, with all the blessings that are rightfully his. Now, today's passage was written in about AD 48, and Paul covers, in these few verses, our past, our future, and also the here and now, past, present, and future. In the past, each one of us was a slave to sin and condemned under the law in terms of keeping to what God's will is. However perfect we might think we are, we need to look at that and actually we soon realise that we're so far away from ever having kept God's law and his expectations that we really were slaves to sin. We were enslaved and condemned. No hope whatsoever. In the present, if we have trusted in Jesus, we are the Father's freed and adopted children under his loving care. That's our status here and now. In the future, we will, each one of us, will be an heir. 
who will inherit all the undeserved blessings the Father wishes to give us, as well as to his Son, Jesus. Now, the context of these truths being put through to the church in Galatia was that the Galatians had been pestered by people who Paul calls agitators. They were troublemakers. We read more about them in chapter 5. But they were proclaiming that the old Jewish laws and customs still applied to new believers. So a new Christian, under that kind of approach, would have had to have done all sorts of things, run through certain hoops and do all kinds of stuff to earn our way into becoming children of God. And Paul is making it quite clear here that that is wrong. These were false teachers, and false teachers always tend to do one thing. They diminish who Jesus was and is. They imply that he alone, in what he has done for us, is not enough for us to be saved and to be children of God. And that's wrong. If anybody says, Jesus is great and you need whatever it might be, that's false teaching. Jesus is sufficient. He has done everything that needs to be done. He is everything that we need uh, to be God's children and to be with God forever. So that's what St. Paul was about in this particular letter. And he writes a little bit later on, no surprise given what we've just seen uh, in this uh, passage, in Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God's plan for us is out of slavery into uh, becoming his adopted children and then to be heirs, to be completely free uh, under him, everything within God's control and within God's love. So that small baby in Bethlehem, you probably can't quite see the little baby there, but we've put this out just to remind us that it is still the Christmas season. That little baby in Bethlehem came so that we might be saved and freed from our sins and adopted by God to sonship, full status as God's heirs, as well as his adopted children. I'm just going to read verse 6 again. Because you are his sons, that's the sort of status bit, sons and heirs, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, through the Holy Spirit, we can actually be right in the presence of God the Father, know his love within our hearts and surrounding us, and knowing how he is keeping us safe forever, but making us the people we should be as well. Because of Jesus, the Galatians and us, you and me, once we trust in him, are fully restored children of God, and secure members of God's family, both on earth and in heaven. There's great security in this, and it's all from that love that flows from the Father. The role of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to close in a minute. He has been sent to make Jesus real in our lives. You can read about the role of the Holy Spirit in John's Gospel again, 
I suppose, chapter uh, 14 onwards verse seven, uh, to chapter 17. But the Holy Spirit's role with us is to make uh, Jesus real to us, to open up the truth in the Bible and to give us the strength we need day by day. So the church, too, as we are all the church together, is given the truth of God to be shared. And that is shared with the way we live our lives. And it's the Spirit who brings the fruit of the Spirit. Nothing to do with our goodness or new status, really. It's all to do with God being allowed to work through us, through his Spirit. Now, St. Paul returned to these themes, which are quite deep, very deep, uh, in, uh, as I said earlier, his letter to the Romans. And that was a few years later, around 57 AD. And I'm just going to quote one short section from uh, Romans chapter 8. And again, this puts it all into the round, us being the children of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship as heirs. And by him, the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, which is kind of daddy. It's a really close uh, loving word between us and God the Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Yes, it'll be rough on the way. There'll be bad times in 2024. But if we know we are children of God, if we know through his Holy Spirit that we have been adopted and we are safe and secure with the Father, then we will inherit all that Jesus is entitled to inherit as God's Son who fulfilled his mission to rescue us. Amen. Father, we thank you that we are your children. We thank you that when we trust in Jesus, we join your family. And Lord, that you give us the security and the promise of all good things as we go through this life with the Holy Spirit alongside us and within us. Lord, we pray that you would make these truths real for each one of us that we would know your love, gently uh, prodding us and supporting us and guiding us. Lord, we just thank you that this was your plan for us and through Jesus we can enjoy all the wonderful blessings you have in store for us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're now going to sing a song which I think is very much linked to these truths. It's one we all know very well, written by somebody who is currently linked to Chichester Cathedral, so he's quite local, Ishmael, and it's Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist. Please stand. <laughs> 